Hi everyone, welcome to the 12th episode of the Mixtape Book Club podcast. My name's Ellen. And my name is Mel. Each week we take a look at a different trope or subgenre in the huge collection of Death Steel fan fiction. And this week we're um, taking a look at a, a long-awaited trope that we are all love, and that is Endverse. To help us discuss her fic after the end, as well as a few other Endverse fics, we'd like to welcome Cassiel's Lost Wings, otherwise known as Robin. Hi. Thank you guys for having me. As well as After the End, we're also going to discuss two other fics today. Hope is a Living Thing by Witch DL, and also the enormous series, which is called um, Down to Aging Court by Sephiris. Um, and you might hear us referring to that in a few different ways during this episode because we all have a different way of pronouncing Aging Court or Aging Court or Agin Court or something. <laughs> but you know, we're all talking about the same thing, right? <laughs> As always, links to all of the fics that we'll be talking about today will be available in our post on mixtakebookclub.com and included in our collection on AO3. So Enverse is based entirely around one episode of Supernatural. We've got season five, episode four, which is called The End. Um, it aired way back in October 2009. Can you believe that? That's like 12 years ago. <laughs> no. Oh, it wow. wasn't. Okay. It was last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the actual end, but you know this end. Um, <laughs> it was written by the amazing Ben Edlund, who not only gave us um, an episode where Zachariah the angel threw Dean five years into the future to show him what would happen if he doesn't say yes to Michael and let him uh, possess him to kick off the apocalypse, you know, it's a post-apocalyptic Croatoan thing. You remember how it goes. They end up at Camp Chitakwa. But not only do we get all of that plot-based stuff in it, we also got some cracker lines in this <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> We've got at the very beginning um, Cass saying to Dean, I'll just wait here then <laughs> on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd forgotten that was in this episode when I rewatched it the other day. I was like, oh, that's right. Vintage um, Destiel. That's right. Uh, we've yeah. also got, obviously, the iconic line about Rhonda Hurley and her panties. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you, Ben Edlund. I forgot that was in this one. <laughs> yeah, Dean's also... entire panty kink stems from the inverse, which I, I think people sometimes don't remember. That's right. Uh, and the other line that I uh, remembered that came from this one was when... Um, Chuck tells Dean when he goes back to to hoard toilet paper, which is like somehow <laughs> prophetically come true in the actual pandemic yeah. times. So anyway, that all all that wonderful stuff came from one episode. And we have um, Cass says, "I like past you," which is I feel like people steal that a lot for fix too. Yeah. And did you hear recently there was a thing? I don't. It's probably an old thing that's just come back recently, but that he really said, I love past you, mm-hmm. and they got they got Misha to dub over that. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you watch it, you can see. Yeah. It definitely, um, yeah, it fits. That's like, right. It looks like that. As soon as you know that's what he's saying, you can see that's what he's saying. Yeah. But that's not the only, I mean, they cut a lot out of um, Cass's whole speech um, about, you know, banging a few gongs. That also ended completely differently. It was a little bit more subtextually inclined I guess 
Yeah, um, he was saying something about yeah. how Dickie yeah. and Dean only have each other now. and Exactly. Yeah, anyway. And, you know, so, yeah, that not the only thing that was cut. So, I, in my opinion, that was a very believable one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the actual text of the episode aside, um, this this sort of a subsection of, of canon verse, I guess, um, has got yeah. spawned a whole lot of cre- fan creations. Um, the the AU verse tag um, has like nearly 1,300 fix in it, um, not all of which are actually set in inverse itself in canon. Like sometimes they're, they're set in the real, like in, in you know, a, a modern AU kind of thing, but mm-hmm. with inverse Cass because he's like a certain character in this particular show like episode um so yeah yeah i feel like like a lot of the times when people are writing about inverse cast they're not writing about inverse at all but they've taken that version of the same way we take you know crazy cast and um yeah abandoned or whatever any of the other yeah exactly and then they plop him in a different universe and like honestly that's probably my favorite thing to have come out of the inverse is being able to take that version of cast and put it because it allows cast to be a little bit more um, flexible I guess than the the canon version of him you can get away with a totally different personality set I guess than what you would if you're trying to stick to a very close to a a canon iteration of Castiel yes so in the actual episode because it's so early in in the show like I you know, it's quite early in season five. So, so Cass early. is still very much his angelic self in the real kind of world before, like, and for him to be so yeah. different in the, this other reality that um, that Dean ends up in is quite, like, now I guess it doesn't feel so weird when we watch it because he's he's quite human in the later seasons anyway. But at that time for him to be, to go from being like a rigid kind of, angel who's only just starting to have his doubts you know um yeah that was a huge deal yeah I wish I'd seen it back then like when it was new (laughs) and like and just to bring it into like the fic universe it's a it was a big deal for people who write fanfic then and then you know years into the future because you only had aside from that you only had this very particular form of of cast like I was you know kind of saying before and this opened up a whole new world I, yep. to, to dip into, I think. And that's like there is I think a lot of people hear Enverse and they think sad, like right off the bat, sad, depressing. And there's certainly if you want to Google Enverse fix, you're going to find a lot of that. Yes. Um, especially if you're looking for the tag, like the, you know, five four, the end episode, you know, you find like hate sex and and (laughs) like um you know they've lost each other they hate each other they're you know all the like really angsty there's a lot of hurt no comfort for me i like enverse because of the potential for the exact opposite because the angstier it is the more painful it is then for me the more like fulfilling the comfort side of that is so that's that's why i like like inverse and the inverse fix because there's just so much potential to fix it. Yeah. I think it seems to go two ways with these kind of things. Like it is either very angsty, like the heavy drug use kind of Dean is very closed off version of himself. Um, 
who doesn't, you know, want anything to do with cars, I guess. Right. And then, or you either go for people, like, then there's the people who make it all better, <laughs> like yourself, who write a happy ending <laughs> and who will do, like, maybe will not even go for the angst at all, just go, okay, this other dean came in and he made everything better and, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to, like, some of the questions about the nature of the universe itself. There's so many possibilities. So I, I did ask, uh, when we first announced on on the profound bond um, discord that we were doing in verse we had quite a few questions from people who are big fans of this kind of verse um <laughs> so there's always there's like often sort of the question of if if Zachariah is showing dean the, the real future five years in the future like he's actually time travel or is it right. is it just like a, a pocket universe that he's created or is it all just an illusion it's all in Dean's head or you know there's so many different options that it could be and now that that supernatural is like a, a multiverse type thing could it actually just be an alternate reality that they went to I don't know what what's your thoughts on it yeah I, th- I think everybody has like anybody who watches the show has to have a theory on that right like I think it's impossible to watch that episode and not come up with your own theory that you will dig your heels in (laughs) so I see it every so often like on Tumblr and Twitter you know somebody's theory still like brand new theory you know 10 years later comes across my screen about you know adverse it's just I think you're absolutely right there Mel yeah And, and one of the ones I saw earlier is actually the one that I have always had in that to me, Enverse isn't necessarily even, it's not a pocket universe or an alternate universe necessarily. I think it was something that was constructed by Zachariah out of, pretty much exactly out of Dean's worst nightmares. Yeah. Right. And there is a big question to me about why so many of his fears and issues were connected to Cass. Yeah. So my like, my like inclination is that you're right about that like in the canon universe, I think that is probably the correct interpretation. That's what I think. But in my head, <laughs> I prefer <laughs> to think of it as a different universe because especially after the episode that shall not be named, it feels unruined to me. Like if it's an alternate universe, if it's one of Chuck's constructs, if it's one of, if it was a, like an offshoot that, you know, a, a a future that Zachariah created as an offshoot or even Chuck created because Chuck was there. Yeah. Um, you know, so we have like canon God was actually in this universe. Was he just playing with them? Whatever. If you feel that Jack put everything right, um, you know, towards the end of the show and restored all the things that Chuck destroyed, then it, to me, it feels, it's almost like a little bandaid <laughs> over yeah. the, the canon pain because it it's like untouched. It's still this universe that, I like to dip into and it's you know nobody can take that away nobody can take that ending away yep. yeah and I think that it then plays into what Chuck said because obviously towards the end of season 15 Chuck very specifically said that the canon universe was the only one where Cass um, ended up the way he did right and that he did that so in which way could that kind of invalidates the inverse as a one of Chuck's AUs anyway yeah. Um, because he yeah. wouldn't have fallen like that if he'd been following Chuck's instructions. I mean, and if you look at like the power, like the the angelic power that Zachariah doesn't have, I'm not sure that he had that in you know not that 
Supernatural is known for its consistency, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that Zachariah had the power to create a whole timeline offshoot or, or even necessarily depending on where we were. Um, time traveling is iffy, but yeah. what he did, he was in Dean's room. So what he did have the power to do was give him dreams. I mean, I feel like that's a very obvious. I mean, Dean wakes yeah, up in bed. We know that angels can manipulate dreams, like even cats yeah. can do that. Yeah, exactly. So. so to me, that feels like the most obvious, this is probably the canon intent. And again, I like that for the reasons, you know, like Ellen was saying that um, that says a lot about what Dean feels about Cass. And because mm -hmm. it's Ben Edlund, like, we know that that was intentional. <laughs> I think that's interesting as well, because I think a, another way of looking at it is if, say that Zachariah didn't have the power to do that, which I, I mm. kind of don't think that he would either. Like, there's really no precedent for an angel being able to just create an alternate universe of their own. Yeah. I mean, um, only Gabe, like, unless Gabriel, Chuck, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, unless Chuck gave him that power because that would have been chuck's end game right with yeah the and I, there has dean definitely been some like chatter about i've seen people with different theories about how chuck could fit into that and was i mean if you you could write the whole thing off by saying chuck wrote it that way because that's you know yeah unfortunately i i don't actually like the chuck wrote it that way loophole because i feel like it glosses over so much yeah but yeah you could. i think <laughs> although there are definitely some writers like some writers that have written for the show that would be that lazy i definitely don't think one of them some <laughs> if i could just I'm remember the name <laughs> i'm blanking not naming any specific names but totally writers who are not ben edland let's put it that way <laughs> one inconsistency in one of the, the more recent like latest episodes in season 15 that photo of the guys at Camp mm -hmm. Chautauqua shows up again and yeah I don't know if that was just like a bit of a throwback by the writers but that photo existing in the real world kind of throws a big spanner in a lot of theories <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't because Dean found it in John's journal in Bobby's burnt out house yeah the way it makes sense is if Dean put that in his pocket and took it back with him oh I see what you're saying right because yeah, if it's it. not real if, then it's, <laughs> if it's just a dream if it's uh, just a dream then how did he I bring think. it back with him you know like I don't know yeah mm -hmm. but so maybe that's just a um, you know a, a consistent like a what do you call it you know this is like one of those things that continuity is problem. very frustrating mm -hmm. yes and there's a lot of those in Supernatural that you don't know whether they're Easter eggs or they're like intentional kind of little, you know, meta digs, or yeah. if it's just an accident, someone thought it was cute and funny or what, you know, you just don't know. And that's a little frustrating for me, but yeah, it is yeah. what it is. And I think everyone's going to have different opinions on that. For like, sure. Um, yeah. My personal one is that the photograph was probably not intentional because it just right. seems like there was so much put into Enverse originally and how the end was written that I just think that that was just one was of it Mary things, looking like, oh, through <laughs> John's journal when she found that something like that yeah so, they were probably like, just like find things to in go there. in this journal and then in the prop yeah in the prop cupboard oh look we have this picture stick it in there yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they literally I just don't think like, it was like that I, big I am a deal. now wondering if they literally left that picture in there from when they filmed the end because yeah, that's where it was. Yeah. <laughs> she, wow, she flicked that's so through lazy. <laughs> and went, 
oh, this is here. And they went, yeah, just leave that in. It's fine. <laughs> I'm having like, oh, a that, moment. That's a, cute, that's a cute picture. Because, I mean, oh it was years God. later, right? So they'd probably forgotten what it was for. <laughs> yeah, they probably had no idea. They thought it was like John's hunting buddies or something. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, it's probably I it here. entirely different crew that were dealing with it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But surely no wouldn't, doubt. wouldn't they employ people to like... You know, keep an eye on this continuity stuff. I don't know. Girl. <laughs> Look, if we can't get all the writers to do it, we ain't got any hope for anybody else. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. <sighs> now I'm depressed. Oh, well, anyway, let's not worry oh, about the great. show itself because this is our our story now. It belongs to us. True. And we all right. know that fanfic authors and readers are 10 times better at continuity than anybody on the show ever was i know we spent we could spend an hour talking about this and not come to a consensus and they were just like here's a picture put it in the box like, <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. yeah but yeah no i mean to the point and that's and that is the great thing about fic and about enverse in general because it can be whatever you want it to be and and it doesn't at the end of the day it doesn't really matter if it was a dream or if it was a, you know, an offshoot universe or really the future. It only matters in the context of if someone's writing about it, what they want it to be. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, one of the questions that we had um, in relation to, I guess, um, writing about it is what what are our headcanons around what Dean and Cass's relationship there, like, you know, the future Dean, I guess. Oh! what they do you know they before, actually have oh like, sorry go on yep no i was just gonna say before like but this is this gets me so excited because there is actually a dissertation tumblr post about this um <laughs> and it's not it's like not necessarily my headcanon or whatever but it's fantastic and i will try to find it and like link it under the the mixtape post because yep. it's very cool it's somebody like somebody went through the whole um the whole episode and kind of pointed out some inconsistencies and some things that point to them being lovers. And again, because it's Edland, you can extrapolate that it was most of the things were likely intentional. But you know, obviously, it's it's all whatever your own interpretation is. Mm-hmm. But um, she her it's just it's masterful. Like I, there's I, that's all I have to say about it. People, if you have this question, you need to read <laughs> this post because it is it is really fun. Um, like, for example, like, I'll just one thing off the top of my head is about Cass's cabin. His yeah. cabin is the it's nice. It's the biggest. It has like it's implied it has like running water. It has a huge bed and it's proximity to the weapons. Like wherever do you remember where Dean was locked up when he was handcuffed? Yeah. By um, mm-hmm. past Dean or future Dean. Um Cass's cabin is the closest to that like little like weapons locker that they have there. Um, why would Cass be housed at the the cabin that has the closest proximity to everything? And the, her theory was, you know, because he's screwing the leader. So because Dean lives in that cabin, not because Cass lives in that cabin. Yeah. Um, so and then I've seen a few people take that theory and kind of like run with it as far as maybe Dean used to live there. Um, you know, and, and Cass inherited it after. But anyway, yeah. So <laughs> I think there are a lot of people who feel very strongly that he did, that they did have an actual relationship in the inverse. Yeah. I mean, it just depends what you want to write about, really, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. if you want to write about an established relationship, then 
you've got all the clues there (laughs) that shows that it could actually be happening and if you wanted a like one million word slow burn um (laughs) you can also do that (laughs) we can can recommend one (laughs) oh my god i'm howling (laughs) we have one of those (laughs) if you're talking about in can obviously those things are in canon but you know like anything else it's tough because this is a whole trope genre whatever that revolves around this one episode so yeah you have all these great things that you can pick apart and look at and use or you can just you know not use them and it's still just as valid i mean you're still gonna have tons of fics that don't reference any of this crap and they're just as awesome yep you know so it's it's a good example of it is what you make it yeah, and I think there's probably no other Supernatural episode that's had quite as much meta written about it and quite as much kind of thinking and thought and discussion yeah. going into just that one episode. Um, there's really there's something special about the end, I think. Yeah. Agree. Um, oh, it also scratches that, like, I, I think apocalyptic fiction is its whole other subcategory and the end really satisfies that kind of that itch or whatever um so in that way it's like we have our own little apocalyptic au built into canon that people can use so that's yeah it's another kind of yeah it offers people that for example only write canon because there are plenty of people who don't want au's but they still get to switch it up and do something different while still remaining in canon yeah i think that's that's pretty unique actually for a lot of fandoms like i'm not sure that a lot of fandoms would really have that built in in that way mm-hmm. yeah for sure all right so robin would you like to read the summary to your fic for us i actually avoided uh writing an inverse fic because i was too wrapped up in down to Agincourt. like i didn't think that I could write one without pulling too much from that story into my, because I just love it so much and it like dominates my thoughts on a regular day. (laughs) But I, I, I finally kind of just gave in and I had, I had messaged the author and was just like, Hey, um, like, is this, is it cool with you? If I write something that's inspired by, it's probably going to end up with a lot of references Um, And she was totally fantastic. She's like, yeah, definitely send me the link when you're done. You know, no issue, whatever. But I make no bones about it. This is incredibly down to Agincourt inspired. Um, It it wouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. So the summary is, in 2014, Dean Winchester led a raid on the asylum in Detroit where a Sam-wearing Lucifer was waiting for him. Everyone knows what happened next. The Chautauqua... Whoa. Chautauquan soldiers who accompanied Dean died horribly at the hands of Lucifer's minions while Lucifer murdered Dean in the garden below and warned the Dean from days past that no matter what he tried, he would always end up there. There were no survivors. Or were there? The story picks up where the end leaves off from Castiel's perspective from inside the asylum, a twist of fate and conditional divine intervention no one saw coming. It details what happens after Lucifer dies, Dean lives, and the world doesn't actually stop turning. A canon compliant fix it for the end verse and a Dean and Cass who deserve better. Or the end was not the end. This is the story of what came after. Chautauquan is a really hard word to say. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, fic is 24,000 words and is explicit. So you've kind of distilled 
the essence of that kind of mm-hmm. whole down to Agincourt feeling down into 24,000 words, which is quite yeah. impressive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, it is not. Let's just, let's just call it D2A because it, <laughs> that will help me. It, this is not D2A. Like, this is a totally different story. Like, this does not have the depth. It doesn't have the side plots. It doesn't have, like, the overarching epic story that Down Dragoncourt has behind it. It doesn't have, like, um, the the myth or the lore um, that, that that story has in spades. This is just an inverse fix it <laughs> that takes some of my favorite parts of that story and kind of turns them into a feel good like this is how i this is how i think this this episode should have ended and this is in my head what happened after you know the screen went blank. Yeah, it's absolutely happy fluff this whole thing. Um <laughs> thank you so much. Which is such a it's weird like a thing to say hug. though, isn't it? It is. It's weird when when it's in relation to inverse for sure. Yeah, I try it is to very like, fluffy though. Like I I try to ex- explain it to people by saying it's it is actually canon compliant because it picks up, it picks up in the asylum like right after our Dean gets snapped back to yeah. our supernatural timeline. Yeah, and he never so I think, he never sees Cass being killed, so it. All of these Correct. kind of AUs where, or you know, alternate versions where yes. um, Cass does come back and bring Dean back or whatever, um, is totally canon compliant. Yeah, and the fact that we did that, the audience, neither audience or, or Dean or whatever, nobody saw Cass die in the end. It eliminates the need to find a fix it for him being dead, and it also allows you to use him, which is what I did to to fix Dean's death. Yep, which is actually it obviously if it's canon compliant with the end dean dies but i don't have main character death tagged in this fic because it's very because temporary he comes back it's, in the next yeah <laughs> in the first few like literally in, yeah it's it's very temporary and it's all very like um like they plan for this and that's i feel like um with the end one of the things that people who love cast and people who love dean and cast kind of balked at at the end was obviously the way Dean fed Cass into a meat grinder, which was, you know, our Dean's words. Yeah. And the way he was kind of treated as, you know, in the beginning, it seemed like they were really important to each other. And there were hints that they were, you know, still really close and that they were all that each other had left. And then by the end of the episode, you know, Dean's on a suicide mission. And he's willing to, you know, to kill Cass over it. And even with Supernaturals, like they're their inconsistencies and their continuity issues, never in the rest of Supernatural, never has Dean been willing to do that with Cass. So in some ways it feels very out of character. Yep. Yeah, this is probably kind of like a a philosophical question way of looking at it. For sure. Do you think that that maybe had, was, was some kind of reflection of Zachariah's inability to understand that kind of human emotion? that he could imitate what he he knew Dean would do at the beginning, but the further he got along, he yeah. was not capable of understanding what Dean would do. Yeah, I mean, I think he created this nightmare world that was everything that was Dean's worst fears. And this is why I think what Mal said about the nature of Enverse probably being like a dream construct or, you know, just a Zachariah 
hallucination kind of thing is probably accurate because he he didn't really get he didn't really get Dean. He never got Dean. He never really got his motivations. And he everybody in the course of Supernatural kind of underestimated how much Dean cared about Cass, I feel like. Yeah. Um, but then also in that same vein, I feel like if it was a sort of a dream construct, it could also be explained by Dean's own feelings and emotions mixing into the construct. If that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like Dean, Dean's mm-hmm. fears these things and he has these deeper feelings for Cass, but he doesn't, he's definitely not at the point where he's verbalizing them or anything like he, that at the end of this episode, he says, you know, don't ever change. That's another one of the iconic lines from yeah. the end. Don't yeah. ever change. And that's like the first time that Dean's really verbalized. Hey, I, I, I like you. Like I want you around. Yeah. And, um, I feel like that's a reflection from, I mean, it's obviously a reflection from everything he's been through, but it makes a lot more sense if it came from his own like internal motivations, if that makes sense. And he's kind of figuring himself out. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not a fan of like the Dean is dumb or Dean doesn't know his own feelings or Dean doesn't know his own motivations. I'm I'm more in the camp of like Dean represses his motivations. Dean yeah, puts absolutely, yeah. others first. Yeah, like the world first. Like he thinks he can't have it because he doesn't deserve it. That kind of, I think Dean knows full well what he feels and what he wants. And so for me, that kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, maybe he's never been in a position to be able to tell anybody about that. And I don't think he ever does. No. Yeah, I don't think he ever does tell anybody about that. He could have told a million people off screen and we'd never know. <laughs> I just I just don't think that he did. But. Yeah, accurate. But anyway, yeah. There was a line at the end of this, which I don't know, is maybe a spoiler. So I don't know, block your ears for a few minutes if you <laughs> don't want to hear it. But um, that is, is a beautiful line, that which is at the end. I won't give away the ending. But it, it, you said Dean is free in this moment. He's carefree and he's happy and he's going to be okay they both are and in like last year before the the finale for reddit that would have been so beautiful but it just totally made me tear up i was like no (laughs) that's really hard this was so frustrating like because i wrote this in this i wrote this a while before it was published like a a long while because it was meant for a bang it didn't end up going into a bang i kept it for a while and then i just posted it and so the context of me writing this was like early season 15. Yeah. Um, so I had a very different <laughs> like POV. But then when I posted it, I had changed the ending a little bit to be to intertwine with the way that it seemed like things were going with the season 15 finale. So again, it was kind of this ending was meant to mirror because in the context of of the of after the end that i wrote here it was supposed to be um like fully canon compliant not in just that it picks up right after the end but that it references some things that happen in season 15 and where they are and where they're going yeah in a way that would have made sense (laughs) with the ending we thought we were going to get so it should have mirrored that ending, and it doesn't because the ending 
doesn't exist. <laughs> <In my head. laughs> what a shame. They never recorded those last two I know. <laughs> it's so awful. They couldn't come back from that COVID break. I'm very depressed. <laughs> Would have been nice to see. But yeah, I mean, that, that, was, that was my intention. Um, I thought it was real smart at the time. <laughs> it's still smart <laughs> because what you've written is a whole lot better than um what we got yep but salt aside yeah it's still like yeah salt aside it's still it is it is the ending they deserve and it it's the ending like i feel like they deserve in all the universes so yeah not just a fluffy ending if that makes sense but it also an ending that that makes sense for them and um like I tried to with and this is a very inverse cast. Like when you meet him, he's he's popping pills. He's a total disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, he's skeptical of Dean's motivations. He's just he's having a tough time. Yeah, but he doesn't let it like weigh him down. As soon as there's a second chance for them, they both take it. And then I tried to kind of um, like really depict Cass slowly changing to be more like you know the the canon cast that we know like dropping the drug habit and whatever but and the sleeping around and whatnot um like he has thoughts about it that are realistic i think just because dean is is back and he wants him and he's um you know he's he's not on this death mission anymore he's kind of trying to live I didn't want Cass to just drop all those bad habits like they were nothing because I you can't do that. You know, he would yeah. he clearly mm-hmm. was so far gone in the end um, that he wouldn't do that. So I I tried to balance the like happy fluff and he's he's really in it and trying to live. But he's also kind of struggling with, you know, he's dug himself this hole personally in his own head and he has to get out of that himself. And that's where I brought Chuck back in and tried to do a little parallel with Um, season 15 and writing your own story and standing up for yourself and um, you know kind of taking back control of of your own fate so yeah hopefully those things came through I think they did and I really like the fact that again kind of I guess mild spoilers this one but I really like the fact that even though the ending is for the two of them kind of very happy in that way and, and fluffy and kind of very hopeful feeling it, it's not perfect like this i mean they're right. still in a camp at the end of the world basically yeah. <laughs> but but there is it, yeah. it does kind of give you that nice satisfying feeling because it is such a hopeful feeling ending which is oh. something that you know you don't always get with inverse <laughs> like um, yeah but this one definitely is uplifting at the end i think almost that's why I read Enverse is for the, the fix it. And I know some people just like to read it for the pain, but <laughs> I'm uh, here for the, the love. I, I do enjoy the pain. I do enjoy the pain a lot, but it it's because it makes the improvement and the happiness and the, the earned fluff that much better when they've had to work for it to me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah. And that's the one thing that um, I got a lot of comments about, and I feel like this is there are there are definitely two roads that diverge with fix it and verse fanfic, the people who save Sam and the people who don't like those are that <laughs> is definitely two distinct fanfic categories within the inverse. 
And for me, like, it did not feel I wanted to because I know everybody loves the full fix it. Um, I, I tried to give it a little, a little shout out at the in the first chapter, Cass, um, after his encounter with Chuck, he, he's, he thinks about hoping that Chuck has, has sent Sam's soul to heaven. You know, he doesn't really, he doesn't know the full extent of what Chuck is, obviously not like our, our boys do. Um, but that's, that's really like the, the end of the discussion about Sam, because I just, some t- that's the one problem with Enverse. There is not a lot you can do for Sam in that yeah. situation. Because yeah. um, it can very easily be argued that even if they manage to cast out Lucifer and save Sam, like the Sam that they have left is not going to be the Sam that they started exactly. with. Exactly. And then you have a whole different story, which is, you know, that's great if that's what you're going to write about. But if you're trying to write an uplifting sort of fluffy sort of you know yeah, love story that, that's a whole lot more plot you than can. you probably got time for <laughs> yeah and then it would have been down to Agincourt but with a Sam focus <laughs> 500,000 words, words later yeah <laughs> talking of stories where Sam ends up okay <laughs> um okay so Hope is a Living Thing but is by Witch Seal and it was published in 2019 it's around the same length as after the end, it's 24,000 words and it's explicit as well. And the summary is very to the point. It just says, Castile storms <laughs> the sanitarium ready to die. The last thing he expects to find is hope for a better ending. So yeah, I think feel like this one, in general, this, this story is very, it has like a melancholy kind of feel to it. Like it's, mm. it, it's slow, kind of not, not slow, but you know, it's, um, it's gentle, I suppose. Like they're, they're, moody. Like, yeah, like the ho- there's hope, definitely, and it word. grows like as it goes on. Yeah. But it has just like a, a sad, like a melancholy kind of feel to it, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which I think a lot of that is kind of like the essence of that endverse feeling. Like there is a sadness to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, there's... in some fix that's more accentuated than in other fix, but yeah, you did the definitely captured that kind of sadness a little bit in this one particularly at the beginning and then it gets more hopeful the hope the hope grows as it's going through because hope is a living thing <laughs> the title. Oh, i'm sorry oh, she said the thing <laughs> i know i'm sorry <laughs> i'm not sure if i've had not enough coffee today or too much <laughs> it's similar to your other one and in actually um down to agincourt as well in that there, so when I'm thinking about the post-apocalyptic kind of thing, for some reason in that episode, you don't, you're not aware. Or I, when I'm watching it, I'm not aware of out the world outside. Like apart from where Zach says that the mm. virus has made it to Australia or whatever, that's the only indication that we have of anything going on outside. And um, in all of these three fics, in fact, um, they come in contact with outsiders, like people in other, like other survivors who who have their own motivations and plans and whatever. So I really liked this, in this, in Witch Deals one, they're meeting up with like, um, they're traveling across the country and meeting up with a bunch of different towns or whatever, or, you know, trading the goods that they have, you know, it's like a proper post-apocalyptic kind of a story. Yeah. I really like that part where they were like in the, in the bar and they weren't sure whether you know, people were friendly or not. And there was like a whole, the scuffle with the people, you know, that people who saw them as outsiders, people were there to take what they had. And yeah. it was just, um, 
was a little bit more, like you said, like an apocalyptic AU, um, really like taking advantage of the inverse outside of, you know, just Camp Chautauqua. Yeah. And they're using like the drugs and the alcohol Mm -hmm. and stuff that they've looted or whatever for trade goods, you know, like. Yeah. Like it might really happen. (laughs) Yeah. And I really liked that, that detail that those things had so much value because obviously they can't produce those things easily now. Yeah. I think this pick is what made me think of the, the Sam thing, because this is one of the few that made, not just made an attempt <laughs> to address Sam, but kind of made the conclusion. And this is definitely, definitely a spoiler. So, you know, block your ears if you don't want to know um, where Sam is. Sam's rescue is the culmination of of the whole story. Um, But the really cool thing about that is there are tons of canon shout outs that come from later in our, like our timeline. So the supernatural that we watched, um, like they use the, that, that egg (laughs) device that they used when um, Lucifer was uh, possessing the president Um, that ends up being you know, the tool that they're looking for, that they're trying to find. And it comes from Ketch. Like, Ketch is the one who puts them onto the scent of it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, that, I just thought that was really cool because, like, what, who would think that Ketch was going to show up in an Enver story? I just thought that was really neat. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously he didn't exist in canon until years later. Right. But because he did exist in canon years later, he was obviously alive during that period. <laughs> and like, it made he, so he does much exist sense. in the universe. So, yep. Like the way that she, the way that the way that it was portrayed, because, like, yeah, it makes sense that okay, Lucifer is causing all this destruction in the United States. Of course, the men of letters are going to. I mean, they came over, you know, in in season whatever season that was. What was that? Twelve. <gasps> Uh, 11, 12, 11, yeah, 12. 12. <laughs> wow. We're good at this. Someone will let us know. It's fine. <laughs> oh, goody. Uh, but like they, that's, they came over when that was kind of happening. So it makes perfect sense that they would come over and try to fix it with what they had at their disposal then. Um, and, and it's not, it's a, it's one of those things that could have been running parallel in the actual canon episode that you'd never know about. Cause it was just a thing that was running parallel that, you know, doesn't get addressed. Yeah. Just those kind of details that were able to be the world building, I guess is the word that I'm looking for was really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It felt like a whole, a whole thought of world. And um, I could have read a lot more of this one. I sort of got to the end and went, Oh, that's the end. (laughs) Like I could have read, I would have been happy to expand. Yeah. The world was created in such a way that it would have been, even it would have been satisfying to me even to just continue with like established relationship stories of them kind of mm-hmm. rebuilding or exploring different places within this world because it did f- it felt that real but it yeah could have helped that helped that i think and so. also the romance in Very this good. one is um really lovely like it's gentle like i yeah dean is really gentle in his you know attentions in this one which i really like oh <laughs> Well, Aww. sometimes sometimes it's good to be, you know, a bit rough, and sometimes you just want like a warm hug. <laughs> this one's one it of those. And sometimes and when the world is as rough as that one is, I think it actually, it even it kind of almost makes more sense for Dean yes. to be gentle in that way because everything else in their life isn't. Yeah. 
it's so satisfying when you have like that really difficult like you know the really difficult situation end of the world everything's awful all the time and then they're just like super soft with each other and you're like oh oh they love each other <laughs> yes disaster like I everything's a disaster and everything ended and everything was poisoned but not this yeah. yes <laughs> no that's <laughs> as we're all like no we revealed ourselves to be soft <laughs> <laughs> Do you, shall we go on then to mm. the big one? <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, which we've I'm obviously scared. already mentioned a bunch of times, but... <laughs> okay. There's almost no way around it. <laughs> so obviously the big one that we're talking about is um, Down to Agincourt uh, by Separus. It The fic in total um, is currently at 1.1 million words, <laughs> um, but that is broken up into four parts. Um, so the first part from which was actually published back in 2014 um, was Map of the World and that one is 154,000 um, and then after that came It's the Stars That Lie at 164,000 then A Thousand Lights in Space was 223,000 so that's the third book and then the fourth one um, is still in progress we're at 25 chapters out of 28 posted and it's currently at 580,000 words so and it has been a work in progress since 2015 but it is not abandoned i'll have to put that out there in case anybody it's ever not kind of looks um, at this and thinks no it's definitely in fact there was a new chapter not that long ago i think august i think but you know one month bleeds into another august feels like <laughs> yesterday to me <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not that long ago is like a year at this rate. Really? Oh my <laughs> god, was it? That f actually feels like it just happened. And that was August? Are you serious? Yeah. Are you sure that was August? <laughs> and wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> She's also putting time? out... Like, there's a there's a little bit of a sub-series. It's like an AU of the fic. And that... <laughs> those chapters come out regularly, too. I know. It's like... Whatever. Um... The the thing about the actual writing of this is that Sapphiris has said many times that most of the fic is actually written. It just needs to be, like, edited, um, which editing is a huge project when something is this big and this um, intricate. Um, and there are yeah. so many different layers to the plot and whatnot. So uh, that's her biggest project. But a lot of it... Um, so I don't, this is not really a spoiler. This is just a general hu major topic, um, kind of overview in, in the fourth thing happens where the town that they're in kind of has almost like, it's like a group panic attack thing. It's a, it's a, it's a curse that travels between people and it essentially causes a, 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 a more, involved panic attack that's the easiest way to explain it so the whole town is having panic attacks essentially at different points in time this was causing separus distress writing it and 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 separus has talked about this on twitter and on tumblr a few times um it it, it was a struggle for separus to continue editing in that kind of um difficult mindset so where chapters were coming out quickly before and were promised in a certain time frame, um, you know, uh, uh, she just needed to take a break and yeah. kind of like recenter and, and, 
and get control of how that was affecting her before continuing. So that's that's what the big pause was about when chapters stopped coming. And I, I think what is still continuing to, um, you know, cause some trouble now as she tries to get back into it. But um, the last update came with okay. a very thankful and positive message about how um, Sepphoris was really like grateful to the readers and people who believe that 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 it would keep coming and that you know she wouldn't give up on it and and so if you are leaving her messages like that please continue to do that because i um you know apparently they're very motivating um but yeah so mm -hmm. anyway it definitely okay. um is still coming as far as we know well maybe it's a good time to start uh reading it now if there's only a few <laughs> chapters left to post but um, when each it's chapter a few chapters like left of book twenty thousand words or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah, you'll be but, entertained for um, a while. <laughs> I mean, I I read Map of the World last year sometime I think, and um, I started reading part two a few weeks ago to try and get through it for this episode, and I just I'm two thirds of the way through, and it's just like, oh my god, there's so much more. But this is a bit overwhelming, but um. <laughs> So basically, this story is start does start um, like um, like after the end. It starts, you know, at the end of the episode, the end, um, where you know everyone's dead and and Dean has has died, um, and the twenty fifteen no the twenty. Okay, I'm getting confused now. It's our Dean season comes seven. Back. No, it's it's uh, it's it is it's our Dean from our timeline. But the one yeah. who shows up is from like His two years after line. he left. Yeah, like season yeah, that's right. seven. So, so it's still it's a future dean, and he's quite different to the dean who who died in the um the end. Um, and then it's sort of a story of him going back to Camp Titakwa and trying to deal with being a different person, and and kind of. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. There's just so, so, so much plot that is going on with this one. So there's a lot of original characters in this one, like all the people who live in the camp. Um, I don't think barely any of them were actually from the original episode. Um, so she's developed this entirely new kind of world and situation that they're living in. And um, it's amazing. It's just very intelligent and... Um, uh, witty writing for one thing but also very very detailed and beautiful world building too so the thing about down to ag court is that there's a superficial read and then there's the like the real read and unfortunately it takes a little bit to figure out um what exactly is going on as far as the superficial read and then so you you miss things the first time around the the yeah. fic itself has a huge fandom of its own and it's um Agincourt agitators and it's on tumblr on twitter it's um it's a really cool you know like it's a really cool community and the tagline is always be rereading <laughs> and it's always be rereading for a reason because every time you do you pick up something new unfortunately yeah. i feel like for like new readers or people who are looking for like a quick <laughs> you know, pick me up where Dean and Cass get together real, you know, real fast. And then it, the focus is on like them having sex. This isn't the fic for you. Like, it's just not, um, no. that's, that's not what happens. 
Um, but the the cool thing is communities have spawned from this. Like I'm in at least two active chats right now about it where people are doing rereads and talking about what what's happening as they're reading as they go. And then everybody in the group kind of chimes in with, oh, yeah, remember when that happened? Let me tell you my theory on X, Y, Z. That's not something that's going to happen the first time you get, you know, the first time you go through it. Um, it actually and I, like I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to admit something that is shameful. It took me like it took me three attempts to get through the first book, which is Map of the World. Like I I wasn't getting it. Um, I really I was having some trouble following, but I ended up talking to some people who liked it and they were like, you know, keep going, ask me questions, et cetera. And I did that. And once I once I kind of got into the rhythm and just accepted it for what it was, this is most of the first book is Dean and Cass talking at the end of the world. That's like it. That's the premise. And if you accept that yeah, and is, just there's kind of, a lot of talking. Yes. <laughs> they that is spend all a lot they of time do. Talking. <laughs> like, and I think that's part of like the humor in it. Cause you think, Oh, at the end of the world, everything is crazy and awful. And they're always, everybody's always dying. And yeah, there's some of that, you know, um, Dean gets sick at one point and, and there's a whole, you know, nursing him back to health aspect with Cass and, um, you know, uh, war medicine at the end of the world. But like most of it is them just coping with existing. And I think like when I first read Map of the World, I was like, I knew that there was a huge plot I was supposed to be looking for. So I spent a lot of time looking for it instead of just kind of enjoying the conversations that were being had, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, um, I guess that a big part of it is, is Cass actually cleaning himself up and running the camp, basically. Yes. So there's a lot, like a big part of it is just talking about patrols and like you know stuff that's <laughs> happening in camp, which is like it's very, if you read the actual like if you read it on the surface, it's very clever. Like the way that um, it's all like it's witty, but oh my god, it it's just you get a little bit bogged down in that. And then when you actually find a bit where there's an actual development happen, like something's <laughs> happening, you're like, oh my god, this is so exciting. Because you've kind of been lulled into this like, okay, they're just sitting there talking for hours, and you know. <laughs> so like know. the great thing about like the Cass's focus on patrols and patrol logs and all that stuff. It stays, but it gets it gets less into like the bogged down detail, and it becomes once you want because you went through all that. When you read about it in the in the coming books, it's it's like a, a running joke, like okay. between yeah, it like it becomes like Dean gets frustrated with Cass and his laptop and threatens to set it on fire because all he cares about is looking at the shift schedules and Dean wants to get laid, like that kind of like it's it's a it's a running thing. Um, but yeah, early on, there are a lot of details where you're not sure, is this important? Is this not important? The bottom line is everything is important, but for different reasons. And some stuff is just a lot the first time through. Well, yeah, I mean, fully it, it is. Maps is um, maps is a lot to get through. Um, my favorite book is the fourth book, honestly, because they yeah. like again and this goes back to this goes back to what i said before like my, my favorite tropes are the end of the world like living at the end of the world situation you can see this reflected in in after the end where you know they go immediately to new washington the city ichabod is the city that they they go to in um in d2a and that's 
I just love that. I love the, you know, the surviving at the end of the world and the forming a new town and a new community. And I found that the OCs that you were really starting to get curious about and get into, like really starting to um, like care about when by the time book four rolls around, you're like in love with them. Like I, I have never They're old read... friends by that point. Yeah, it's it's you care you care about them as much as you care about Dean and Cass. Which for me, for a fic to make me care about an OC is unheard of. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but that does not happen to me on a regular basis. Fat back aside. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the pig though. Yeah, like that. That's very strange. And there are, um, you know, there are a lot of things that happen to the OCs that I think, and this is one of the things that makes Down to Agincourt very, like, special, is that everybody's story is treated as important. Um, it yeah. doesn't take away from the Dean Cass story. It doesn't take away from their relationship. It only adds to it because you see their relationship in the context of them caring about other people and them being themselves. Like, it's the most canon characterization I've ever seen of Dean and Cass in a relationship because they don't like they don't shirk like important things to go have sex in a closet which is what I would write about because <laughs> you know what I mean they they are themselves in a war they're soldiers they're leaders but they're also yeah. figuring out how to be with each other and that's just I mean I I, I feel like it's masterfully done but Book four is where it really gets super emotional for me and where, like, I, after reading it, was like, oh, yeah, I have to read this whole thing over again. Because a lot of the things that were, like, um, kind of floating puzzle pieces at the edges of my mind clicked into place. And then I was like, I get it now. Um, yeah. But that's a big investment. I mean, when, you know, when you're the couple that you're reading about doesn't kiss for 500,000 words... And it's, you know, this heavy plot that you have to kind of work to understand. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why people shy away from it. But I mean, all I can say is it I feel like it's well worth the investment and the payoff, like the payoff for the weight is really good. If you well, can get through I, it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, the whole reason that I'm, I'm pushing through with, I mean, not, not the whole reason, because I do actually enjoy the the writing style and everything but it is um you know the first if you're not someone who enjoys sort of epic fantasy even like you know that it's that kind of right it's almost gormenghast level of like um heavy writing uh, and details so if you're if you're not into that kind of thing then this pro you may not get through the first part of it right and that is like that's heavily intertwined with like there's a reason for it it, it is heavy, but that's kind of the point. The whole thing about like all the details and stuff, it's the minutia at the end of the world. It's the whole like the end of the world is actually boring most of the time. It's actually like <laughs> them sitting around waiting for something to happen. Like when you get into book four, it's really funny because there's like all this incredible, cosmic, crazy stuff that's just kind of hanging overhead. But there's not a lot happening. I mean stuff does happen there are events and there's there's you know exciting things that happen but 
there's also a lot of them, you know, Cass and Dean sitting outside talking, <laughs> you know, and that doesn't sound that interesting, but it is. And especially when you're like, it's it's the contrast of like the minutia of the day to day and the fact that they are still facing down an apocalypse. They are still facing down Lucifer. He's still out there somewhere, um, you know, and, and does he know that that this new Dean is in this universe? Does he not? Um, there's the whole entire mystery of how did Dean get here to begin with? And I don't this I mean, it's very difficult for me to get into that topic without spoiling because that is just its own entire I could talk about that for <laughs> an entire podcast worth um but suffice yeah. it to say there are all these subplots that you don't even think of that start popping up um you know later down the road but when you when you reread it the stuff that felt like minu <laughs> like minutia that like, kind of felt like huh, I don't understand why there's all this detail when you read it again, you're like, oh, OK, this is making sense now because it's, you know, usually contrasted with something else down the road or it's meant to foreshadow something down the road. It is very complicated, though. I mean, there's there's a reason there's like entire Wikipedia pages like there's a whole fan lore page devoted to it. OK, so I got uh, partway through the second um, book and I, and then mm -hmm. when things started happening, and you, and I like the curtains started drawing back on one subplot, and then another. It's like something else suddenly made sense. And I right. and the thing, the important thing about it is to remember that um, even though Cass is, you know, he's basically human. Um, he's lost. He's he's fallen, and he's given up his grace. But um, he he doesn't ever lie. He can't. He doesn't lie. He just sort of, you know, tells some of the truth. <laughs> so. so Everything he says... He's definitely manipulative in some Yeah, some he's like a master at kind of just saying enough. And then later you realise that some of the things that he tells Dean were purposely not quite the truth. But um, And then suddenly, like, this light bulb goes off and you're like, oh, that was that other thing. And, like, yeah, it's, very, it's extremely right. clever writing. And, like, the whole thing... The other thing about the first book that is important is that Cass is grieving... And he's a different cast in the first book than he is in the other books because, and this is important, he's grieving his Dean. And that isn't glossed yeah. over. There's def there's a lot between him and, you know, I'm gonna I'm just gonna call it our Dean. Um, that like they're at each other's throats because Dean for a while, Cass actually makes Dean be invisible to the camp. He doesn't just bring him back and say, This is this is <laughs> you know, this is your Dean. Because he knows, like, at first, Cass thinks that Dean will never be able to be seen, that he'll have to be, like, invisible forever um, and hiding from people forever, that he won't ever be able to be a part of this. Because he's scared. Because Chautauqua, in this story, is a legit militia. I mean, they are, like, kill on sight. They have been hyper-trained. They are ultra-soldiers. And if they knew that Dean wasn't Dean, Cass believes that they would kill him. So yeah. that whole dynamic of him grieving and him simultaneously worrying about Dean, but also not paying enough attention to Dean. Dean gets very lonely. He gets he pushes Cass's buttons. Um, yeah. He's they're They're both they both have no idea how to like how to interact with each other or be around each other. And it's almost like. Like you almost 
feel like they hate each other for a while, but it's it's clear when you're in um in the you know in Dean's head that that's that's not the case. It's just he's lonely, he's he doesn't know what to do with himself. Um but that that whole the fir- the whole first book is Cass trying to cope with all of those things. And he's still definitely using, he's he's drinking, he's um he's having a hard time with it. It's only down the road when Dean um, you know, becomes a, a part of the camp when when he integrates him into the camp, um, and then he and and he is pretending to be his his predecessor. Um, so that's like stress for Cass too, because he's constantly worried that someone's going to discover Dean or find him out. It's only when Dean gets hurt and then subsequently gets sick and can't um, function as end Dean. That's when Cass starts to clean up his act. And starts to like kind of you know take over take over duties in the camp and and it's funny because he doesn't even really realize what he's doing he's been sort of like he knows it's the only option so he does it but he definitely doesn't want to be doing it and so he kind of takes it out on people by doing things like making them mow the lawn <laughs> or you know yeah. what I loved yeah, actually exactly. during that section um, the you kind of get this hyper focused. Thing from Cass, like he's um, really co- concentrating on helping Dean, um, <laughs> and then so from being like to almost totally ignoring him to like being like right in his face the whole time is really right. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, and that's where you get like this when Dean gets sick and Cass is like nursing him back to health, and he's like in his face twenty four seven. Like this is where you get into the tropes because it actually down to Court actually has a lot of tropes it has the nursing you back to health it has fake relationship it has accidental bed sharing it has i thought you were straight it has um yeah it has awkward first kiss it has like you know um misunderstandings out the wazoo it has everyone knows but them (laughs) like you name it it's in here and the funniest part to me is that they're oblivious of a lot of it. And they always kind of like Cass and Dean always kind of come in on the ass end of it, finding out <laughs> that this is happening. Like they're very they do not realize how their relationship comes off. Like they're doing this whole fake relationship thing for Dean's protection so that the camp doesn't find out that he isn't who he says he is. And also, you know, so that, you know, Cass can make him healthy and the camp just assumes that they got together. And (laughs) Dean wants to get together with him and he thinks Cass doesn't want that. And Cass wants to get together with him. And he assumes that Dean is straight because his predecessor was straight. That's that is definitely the setup in in D2A, like and Dean and and for a reason. Um, I was just weird. I was just talking about this in one of my group chats the other day, which was um, like about the contrast between the Dean that we see in D2A and his predecessor. And it's made very clear that they are two different people. And Separus mm-hmm. goes out of her way to illustrate that quite a bit. And and I, I appreciate that because I feel like a lot of the issue with Enverse in general sometimes is, you know, does this make sense? And especially using our Dean to come in and like essentially hook up with Enverse cast it's like you would always have that question of, is he the replacement? And Dean does have that question. And that comes up yeah. later 
in later books where um, it comes up during during arguments and things. Very domestic dispute. <laughs> I can't believe you would ask that of me kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it is made very clear in many different ways that they are two very different people. And that actually not just affects Dean and Cass's relationship, but once you read through what's there of book four, you realize how much it affected the OCs and the other, like the, the other people in Camp Chautauqua as well. And it's like, that's actually one of the most mind-blowing, that was one of the most mind-blowing moments for me was to realize how deftly that had been written in to make you see that without ever saying it. And then there's like a moment within, within one of the original characters where she essentially admits to Dean that she knows and has known the whole time that he's not who he says he is, but she likes him because he's an improvement. And that's why she kept (laughs) the secret. So like, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, ah, it's genius. (laughs) I like, I couldn't imagine writing something like this. I don't have the brain power. (laughs) Well, it's just such a long game too. Like obviously she wrote a lot of it in, in very quickly. Like, um, if the episode only came out in, well, I guess she had a few years there. It was it, it aired in 2009, did I say? And the first fic yeah. was completed in 2014. So I guess there was a few years there. But, the first, but the first a lot of two, it, I think, maybe came out in the Yeah, a lot of it was posted really quickly. Yeah, so the first two books in 2014 and then the third one in 2015. So And the fourth one was even started in 2015. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I don't know if she, she like you said, she wrote most of it um, before posting any of it. Um, that's a lot of words to write, um, even in a short time, and have them actually God, make yeah. such a into like tightly woven subplots into it as well. That's like I don't know yeah, about you really guys, amazing. but I like get bored of writing after like sixty thousand words. I'm like, that's enough. <laughs> like I, <laughs> you know, I want to move on and do something else. I just can't like a million words, and you're still writing a coherent, awesome, and and the story's even better. The story is better. It's yeah. like even more awesome than it was in the first, you know, 60 million words, <laughs> whatever it was. I It's just, it shocks me. But I will say to the long game, and I'm not, I'm not going to give any spoiler details about this, but Separus is an awesome person. When I was in labor with my son at the beginning of 2018, I had, I was doing a reread of down to Agincourt as like a comfort thing because I I had contractions for like two weeks in a row. It was terrible. And I had left a comment about, you know, yeah, like what I was going through and how appreciative I was of having this story to read. And she was like, email me. I have a chapter, a timestamp from the future if you want it. So I emailed and she sent it to me. And I mean, I I won't get into what's in it or anything like that, but to, to what you were saying about the long game, holy crap. That is, she is playing You've got some insider knowledge. Yeah, I mean, just a little. It was just a little snippet of like, but you could tell because the world building was there and you can see from where we are now, like at the end of what's there in book four, if you call that point A and you call the timestamp point G, you can see easily how she extrapolated from point A to point G. You just don't know the details in between. But when you read it, you're like, this is so like how 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 like it's just it's mind blowing how coordinated it is 
how consistent it is. Back to Supernatural that can't even decide whether a picture should belong in in John's journal 10 years later. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not salty. It's fine. But no, I mean, it's just it. She really deserves all the credit because this and then, you know, we we forget like this is all for free. This is a this is a million word so far free work that is more I mean I don't think I have read any novel or anything that is is as complicated as this and I I just it blows my mind it's like this sort of length like a seven book series like you know wheel of time springs to mind something like that yeah (laughs) or even even like you know Harry Potter or something like where there's like an a long game um journey for you know the main characters and there's a bunch of you know side happenings in between it's um, yeah that makes sense i feel like this story deserves to be published but unfortunately it's just one of those fics that you couldn't scrub the canon out of well no it's very (laughs) well entrenched in canon i think yeah (laughs) i think you could do it but um yeah if anybody um yeah if anybody reads it and wants people to talk to hit me up because i can definitely direct you by way of group chats or you know, communities that talk about it on a regular basis. Because I, I do feel like one of the things that makes D2A so great is the community that sprung up around it, which is just like Supernatural in general. Yeah. And there's fanfic written about this as well, isn't there? There's mm-hmm. like other people Tons. have written stories <laughs> in this Yeah, universe. if you go to the... Separus has all the Inspired by Works linked within actual work within the series yeah yeah there's um there's art there's poems there's um fanfic based on you know what and she will goad her audience too um like there was a whole she interacts on twitter a lot and there is a whole thread recently where we were trying to convince her to build a moat around ichabod (laughs) the city (laughs) that they're currently in uh but that's all that's later that's book four um but we're trying to convince her to build a moat. And she's like, if <laughs> if somebody writes me a fic about this particular thing that happened, I'll build a moat. Uh. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, things like that happen on a fairly regular basis on Twitter when yep. people are talking about it. So I thought, I feel like that's pretty cool, too. Well, uh, it is quite an investment, I suppose. But, um oh, yeah. Having read the first, God, I feel like, (laughs) Um, how much am I up to now? Probably around close to 200,000 words in, um, out of over a million. (laughs) You have not. Um, I'm starting to get it. No, I'm starting to get the inkling that this is something amazing and I need to keep going. Did I tell um, you to look out for the couch scene? I told you that, right? I don't know. I can't remember, but okay, now I will. Well, now you know when yeah. you're reading. If they're on a couch, <laughs> uh, yeah. then you should pay attention because something's about to happen. <laughs> okay. No, no, I won't be that big. This is not really a spoiler. I mean, everybody, you know, knows there's a first kiss eventually, but the, the couch scene is one of those things that, like, the community kind of, like, louds as, like, one of the greatest parts of the series because it's super hot. Nothing that much happens. Like they they make out and there's a little bit of a misunderstanding. But it's their it's their first, you know, kiss and it's like 
it's one of those things, you know, when you, you read something and you're like, how could this be so hot? They didn't even do anything. It's one of those. <laughs> okay. Awesome. And it's because you wait. read 500,000 words <laughs> waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. No, it's, it's like the, the, build, the long, long build up. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. As long as it pays off, then that's okay. There, it does. <laughs> like there's my, my favorite, I'm, I'm not probably any crap for this from other people because it's. It's not even that big of a... My favorite scene in the whole series is on New Year's Eve. They go to Ichabod for... Ichabod's having a party. That's They're supposed to be there just enjoying the party. Of course, that's, you know... It's a supernatural fanfic, so things go off the rails. But they are, like, running around town, making out in alleyways, and, like, just trying to catch a minute alone. And their patrol teams are following them and preventing them from making out. So anytime they find a moment alone, this is like when they first get together and they're they're trying to get a moment alone because they just figured crap out. Yeah. And they're busted every single time they try to make out. It's but it's it's just so great because it's a like a combination of like that inverse domesticity kind of thing where like it's the end of the world but they're it's a little bit fluffy. And then they're making out for the first time, which is great because you've waited 500 words for 500,000 words for it. And then it's funny. <laughs> it's just it's just like a really great combination. I will read that scene any time that I'm like a little bit depressed. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, all right. So I guess we've got like this a lot. Like I said in the beginning, there's a lot of fix in this verse. Um, not not down to Agincourt verse, but the <laughs> in <head> verse <laughs> in general. Um, so we've got a few others that we could recommend. Um, Robin, did you have one that you wanted to recommend? Um, other than yeah, I think my this? like my other favorite outside of the obvious here is Thursday's Child, which I could ramble about that one for a good long time too. Um, yeah, but that's Strange and Charm is the author, or sometimes um, they're known as Strangeness and Charm, depending on where you're looking. Yep. I feel like finding the really good ones is tough because there's a lot of like that hurt, no comfort we were talking about before out there. And I ain't into that. Yeah. You know what we should remark on at least, which I can't believe I didn't even think of this before, is that there is a huge there is a big concept with Enverse that's Dean, Dean, Cass, the, the threesomes. Those yes. definitely exist oh, out there. Of course, yeah, we can't leave that. That was that. I was going to mention that I did read earlier this week um, because it's only short. Was um, yeah, Maggie Maybe's one called what Oh happens yeah, in, what happens in 2014 stays in 2014. So that is that's the a, definitive a Dean Dean Cass um, threesome story, which was a very good. This I, I actually haven't personally read this, but this is a wide. I, it's on my to read list, but it's a widely shared, pretty popular one. It's got like you know two thousand kudos. Um, it's called Epilogue, and it's by yeah. Jane L. If you like open an inverse and reckless, that's going to be on it. It's like, it's almost more definitively circulated than like D two A or Thursday's Child, which is pretty. I think that's another issue sometimes with Rex for Inverse because there are so many of them that include kind of other things that people may not be looking yeah, for. Yeah, MCD or... So. 
Um, all of the, the fix that we've talked about today, including all of the recs and more recs as well, um, will be listed in our post on mixtapebookclub.com. And if you want to tell us um, what your favourite inverse fic is or scream at one of us about D2A or <laughs> whatever you'd like to tell us about, um, you can get in touch with us but you can email us at contact at mixtapebookclub.com or you can find us on any of our social media platforms where we're all at Mixtape Book Club as well. Um, if you want to have a chat with us, you can also do that on Profound Bond Discord server. We've got our own channel there um, and come and join in and hear when new episodes are released and stuff too. Yeah, and you can also submit questions to us through the Discord channel. It's a really good way to do that. Yep. Uh, please join us again in the next episode when we're going to be discuss- discussing fix involving our favorite boys in space it's going to be the space gaze episode yes we had so many people tell us that they wanted space gaze after last time we mentioned it that now we have no choice but to do a like devote an entire episode to it so that'll be next i'm time. delighted about it i love space gaze <laughs> so um, so you better you. talk about your fix in that, Mal. You better. Nope. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> it's okay. I'll try and drag her out feet. from behind the couch. <laughs> All right, I'll go back to being quiet now. <laughs> we have to say thank you very much, um, Robin, for coming to talk to us today. We lo- we know you're a huge fan of Inverse, and now you've definitely proven it. Thank you very much. I'm so sorry. It was lovely just sitting here and listening to you talk about uh, D2A, honestly. I really enjoyed sitting <laughs> in great. the closet and talking to you guys, too. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. And as always, remember that the story isn't over until we say it is. Mm-hmm.